What's going on, Panthers Nation? Bill Rossetti back with you guys here on a Thursday edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by BuiltBar.com and their amazing selection of Built Bar protein bars. Very chocolatey, made with real chocolate, not the stuff you see from other protein bars, but this is real chocolate and less sugar, more protein, just everything you can want in a protein bar. Uh, I, for one, love some of the flavors, mint chocolate, peanut butter, all very good. And you can try it yourself. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you can get $10 off of your first box. So again, BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On, gets you $10 off your first box of Built Bar. And thank you so much to Built Bar for your continued support. Happy schedule release day, everybody. The night has finally arrived. Um, I will say this. we I caution you, uh, the 16-game schedule that is released today, take it with a grain of salt because, as we know, things obviously can change uh, before we get to September. But uh, the goal, as we've said with the NFL, is that they do plan to f- run a full 16-game schedule. And there was an interesting tidbit that came up yesterday from John Clayton, who, of course, the former longtime ESPN reporter and now has his radio show based in Seattle. He believes that the first four weeks of the NFL season will all be the AFC versus NFC matchups. And if that's the case, then that certainly would be a tough stretch uh, to begin the season for the Panthers to have to face all four AFC West teams, who we've talked about will be all very good teams this season, or at least should all be much improved from last season. So it'd be a tough four-game stretch to start the season, including, of course, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And if this is the case, that the AFC versus NFC are the first four weeks of the season, then that means there's a 50-50 chance that the Carolina Panthers will be in the season kickoff game on Thursday night, September 10th, against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's either it would either be them or the Atlanta Falcons. Because if we are going AFC versus NFC, that would mean the Chiefs get one of those NFC South teams and they're on the road against the Saints and the Buccaneers. So we would not get to see Brady versus Mahomes unless they would were to want to switch it and give Tampa Bay the home game on opening night, but I highly doubt that that's going to happen. So 50-50 shot that we see Carolina to kick off the season. So we would, the nat, the nation would get to see Matt Rule's debut. They would get to see Teddy Bridgewater's first game with the Panthers. So it would be pretty interesting uh, if they actually do go ahead and schedule the Panthers uh, for that season opener. Again, that's just the rumor that uh, John Clayton's been hearing and that he shared on Wednesday, that the first four weeks of the season all will be AFC versus NFC. We'll find out officially tonight when the schedule is released. The team, all the teams can unveil their schedules on their social media at 7.30 p.m. tonight Eastern Time. And then 8 o'clock is the league-wide schedule release shows on ESPN and the NFL Network. And speaking of the Chiefs, that of course is who we are wrapping up the AFC West crossover week with today as I chatted with Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs. We had a 
Real great conversation. Uh, talked about the Chiefs draft. Talked about uh, the Clyde Edwards-Elair pick and how, of course, Andy Reid basically became enamored with Clyde Edwards-Elair. And we just kind of talked about, you know, some different things with the Chiefs and, again, just had a fun conversation. So hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Uh, so this is my chat with Ryan Tracy of Locked on Chiefs. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the last of the AFC West, NFC South crossovers this week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Bill Rossetti, joined by Ryan Tracy as we are talking the Panthers and the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Ryan, great to finally get a chance to work with you, and I'm sure it feels so good to hear people say defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, right? It's not good Yeah. Enough. <laughs> thanks man it's it's nice to talk to you too it's been it's been a while since we tried to do this and uh i gotta say it's it's nicer to hear you say it than when i say it so <laughs> exactly get that uh that outside perspective right right uh, but yeah you know it's uh it, it's just been a crazy off season you know, hopefully you guys are all staying safe over there um what a wild what know, a wild right? ride it's been so far hasn't it man it's it's so atypical i it it constantly has me thinking about how they can counteract this lack of time uh, in meeting rooms and, and et cetera. I know it's throwing me for a loop. It's got to be crushing these teams. Oh, uh, it's uh, I, I was just reading the article uh, the other day from uh, Peter King about the virtual classrooms and how they're trying to set it up. You know, they were talking with the chargers offensive line, you know, so they're doing what they can and we're doing what we can, but that's why we got the crossover here. We're, uh, we're going to talk Panthers and chiefs, which should be, uh, an interesting matchup. Uh, I think on paper, obviously, the Chiefs definitely have <laughs> the advantage. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. I'll just come out and say right now, I think it's pretty obvious that this is the toughest game on the uh, the, the Panthers schedule. I think for pretty much every team on the, the Chiefs schedule, uh, they're going to say this is their toughest game without a doubt. But I mean, the Chiefs, man, they uh, what a run and they are not showing any signs of slowing down. Um, I think the first question I want to ask you, man, is um, what can they do for an encore? I, I guess that's the big question right now is what can they do for an encore? What do they do to get back and win the Super Bowl again? Well, that's exactly what, what they're intent on. They, they started that run it back hashtag. They're all serious about it, man. Like every player on the offensive side of the ball has been consistently open to whatever they got to do. Uh, they were able to re-sign Sammy Watkins at a much reduced rate that gave them the cap to do some of the other things they needed, like get his teammate Demarcus Robinson back, a player that I thought was going to have a much bigger market out there on the open, which he didn't, so they got him back super cheap. They have their entire receiving core back from last season. Uh, they have Travis Kelsey and an upgraded pass-catching TE2 in Ricky Seals-Jones, who I know a lot of folks are going to say that's not much of an upgrade, but, you know, <laughs> every little thing counts, right? And that's then they right. go and they have a draft where they add another weapon, so – uh, clearly they are, they are focused on the offensive side of the ball first and foremost. And man, they, they just want to make everybody's life terrible. Absolutely. And, um, one of the first names that pops in my head in regards to, uh, making life a living hell for other teams is their first round draft pick Clyde Edwards, Elair. I mean, boy, you, uh, he was one of my favorite running backs to watch in this draft, man. And I don't know if he could have landed in a more perfect situation, 
than in Kansas City. I mean, Andy Reid compared to him, basically said he's a better version of Brian Westbrook. And Brian Westbrook was one hell of a running back when they were together in Philadelphia. So that that's a scary thought. Um, what were your thoughts, you know, as you're following the Chiefs draft, you're getting there to 32, you know, who were some of the people, who are some of the players you thought could have been an, an option? And then when the pick was Edward Lair, what were your initial thoughts and what do you think of this pick going forward? You know, like I had a lot of guys and I did a ton of mocking and uh, honestly, the Panthers kind of screwed up a couple of things for me, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Um, But I mean, there were a number of options to go. Clearly what the Kansas City Chiefs decided is that they did not like the cornerback class as much as I did, because there were a couple of options that I could have seen them going a 32 at corner to try and, and rebuild that position. But again, like you said, the fit is just so good for Edward Jolaire in the read offense. He can do everything Andy wants. He is, like, if you put it on paper, he's the prototype back for Andy. Small, quick out of his cuts, catches all the time, solid pass blocker. He's, not, he's got room to improve there, but enough that Andy doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, and quite frankly, the whole Westbrook thing kind of threw me because I liked him a lot, but he was not my top back. Uh, not by a long shot, actually. And I'm not one that is a proponent of running backs in the first round. Uh, I think it's difficult to get your value out of them there. But when you look at clearly a, a philosophy in this draft that they, they wanted to, to make that offense that much tougher, you're right, there's no better fit. So I have to give a tip of the, the cap to him because – I heard rumblings about a running back, uh, you know, a day or two before the draft. And I think they shocked most teams that really didn't think that they'd go and do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, from what I heard, it sounded like this was helped by Patrick Mahomes, too. It sounded like he went to the coaches and was like, this is the guy I want. I don't don't know how you heard about that. Yeah. And it's, it's really neat. And neat makes me sound old, but it's it's a cool <laughs> scenario, right? Because you have you have a sixty year old head coach, you have a barely forty year old GM, and you have a twenty four year old quarterback, and the trio of them get on the same page pretty easily. And that's kind of like one of those things where you can see the smile on Brett Veach's face when he's like, "I'm going to send this tape over to coach, and he's going to lose it," right? And that's where that conversation came where he said, hey, I think you're going to like him. He reminds me of Westbrook. And that's when Andy Reid replied with, he's better than Westbrook. And that's, mm-hmm. man, that's shocking. But then it's kind of like the icing on the cake when you just text the quarterback and like top of your head, don't think about it. Who do you want? And it's the same guy. So if anybody has some reservations, and even for somebody like me, I probably wouldn't have made that pick myself. I would have tried to try trade down and say the top eight of the next round and still try to get him if I really wanted him. But to have the three of them all steam ahead in one direction, that I think that should really signal not only to Chiefs fans but to to league in general that this is where they wanted to go, and this is something that I think is really going to pay off for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, overall, I mean, they didn't they didn't have a ton of picks, but I thought they did you know pretty decently throughout the whole draft. You know, just skimming through the draft picks or the, the other draft picks. Willie Gay, they got in round two. Uh, Lucas Niang, who I thought was pretty good value. We th- Niang was a guy we thought could have went maybe in the second round. He ends up falling all the way to basically the end of the third to the Chiefs. Uh, LeJarrius Sneed, the safety out of Louisiana Tech. Mike Dana, uh, the end out of Michigan. And then Dakarius Keys, uh, pretty intriguing corner out of Tulane. So, you know, what were kind of your overall thoughts on this on this Chiefs draft? And you know, or is there any immediate impact guys or, you know, what, what's the overall outlook for this draft class? 
I think it's really interesting. They had a really strong draft class last year. So they plugged a lot of holes with cheap contracts there. And I see some big things coming for guys like McCall Hardman and Colin Saunders and guys that needed a year to play into, right? But so that leaves them probably less holes that you can really project that they need talent at. And they got, uh, you know, like we talked about, they got the guy, I call him the smile guy, because you can't see Reed or Veach talk about CEH without smiling. And then they got back to business and kind of addressed some things that they can see down the road. Willie Gay's a right now player. Uh, they needed to get better in coverage at the second level as fast as they could. And here's the thing about the Chiefs, and you'll have fan bases around the league actually, uh, you know, throw some dirt at them for taking chances on players that have some suspect pasts. This whole thing with Bashad Breeland right now, uh, you're getting a lot of shade of that. Uh, a lot of misunderstandings, though, about Tyree Hill, even of all things, who's been basically exonerated of any wrongdoing at all. Uh, it just goes through a pattern that it's a, a player friendly system. Coach Reed has faith in people and, and believes in second chances. And they did their homework on Willie Gay Jr. They talked to him multiple times. They pushed that rule uh, of the three hours per week in contact leading up to the draft. And that made them feel comfortable. So that's a guy that you say that this staff, this personnel department feels they can plug right in. That's what they're going to do. I expect him to start at will and to start probably next to Anthony Hitchens in the nickel uh, from day one at this point. Reggie Ragland's a player that I really liked in Kansas City because he's a downhill, punch him in the face kind of guy. And that, that's what I like. But they don't. They needed the covered. And so he's, he's easily there. I thought that Niang went right where I had him on my board, um, within five picks of where I had him slated. I was a little bit hesitant um, because of the labrum tear. That's always something that you got to watch out for. He says he's 100%. This is a really tricky one because of, of the offseason that we're experiencing. Without having to have your doctors be able to put your hands on him, I think that changes things a little bit. Um, so I would have probably had a little hesitation myself, but clearly they loved his film. He's a powerful guy. I'd like to see him get a little bit more fit for this system in terms of being able to get out in space. But I don't think he's terrible at it. So um, I see him as a swing tackle until one of the Chiefs' older tackles retires, but we'll see where he comes from. And then you get guys like LeJerry Sneed. I don't know if you want me to go through them all. I'm just on a roll now. Sorry, man. Go ahead. <laughs> if, if you're cool, yeah, if, if, you, if you want to run through them all, by all means, go for it. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm interested in your thoughts on them. The guy I'm pumped about is LeJerry Sneed. There's, uh, there's been some uh, – I've heard some good things about him too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, super versatile. Played corner for three years, then played safety his senior year to try to help the team out. Um, obviously has the visual cues to play safety, to play in zone, which Steve Spagnuolo played 53% man last season. I feel like he wants to go back a little bit more zone. I don't have any concrete on that, but that's just my feeling. So I think that that, that plays into that a little bit. He's got the speed to go along with Henry Ruggs that just came into the division. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, he's got the long arm levers that he can deflect balls. And that's what it is about. The Chiefs are very cognizant of arm length and how much you get your hands on passes. So I feel like he's a great fit. Same with Bo Pete. Uh, Keys is, is a guy that I think is a longer stretch. They had hoped to get him as UDFA, and it really came down to a scramble that they just felt they weren't going to be able to get back up to get him. So they went ahead and drafted him and, and more power to him. So I think when you're weak at linebacker and safety, uh, I'm sorry, linebacker and secondary, and you come away with three players in those positions, I think you have to count yourself lucky for not having to have, to have spent a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. absolutely and that that kind of leads to you know i guess we'll wrap it up on this here on, on your end 
how much of this offseason, too, was about, you know, obviously staying at the top, but knowing, especially, especially, you know, with a little bit of hindsight on this question, too, with the drafts and the offseasons that the rest of the division had. I mean, there, there's a lot of speed now in this division. I've touched on this with, you know, all the other the other guys in your division. I mean, the Raiders, you just mentioned, they go out and get Henry Ruggs. Uh, the, the Broncos double-dip a receiver in the draft with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler to go with Cortland Sutton. The Chargers have a great wide receiver group. So, you know, how much pressure do you think this kind of put on the Chiefs to really attack this offseason, knowing that, you know, all these other teams are building all this speed, build, building up their offense to basically – because it doesn't feel like it's about – you know, stopping them on uh, on defense. It feels like more they're just trying to keep up with them on offense. They're saying, you know, we're going to win games in shootout. If we're going to beat you, we're going to score more points than you. Yeah. The, the Raiders tried to add some linebacker depth, and I think that'll help them a little bit. But clearly the Chiefs didn't feel that the secondary group in this draft was up to par, that they felt that the value was there. That's why they didn't spend a top 100 pick on them. So they said, in that situation, we're just going to add to what is already a strength for us and make teams score 40 points. And if you can do that, then more power to you. We'll try to stop you a little bit. But this this addition uh, is really meant to just solidify what they have, to let everybody step into another year down the line. I think McCall Hardman has some maturation that has to come um, because he hasn't played wide receiver that long, three seasons now, two at Georgia and one KC. Uh, he's got to get those side adjustments. But when you, <laughs> when you have Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins on the outside – and Travis Kelsey that, that's running down the seam, you have opportunity. And so I, I do feel like that all is coming together. And um, I think you're going to see an offense that's more productive than it was in 2019, more like it was in 2018 in terms of, of points scored. Uh, I think that's, that's the way they went to go. And they'll address defense when they have to, uh, when they see an opportunity to add somebody uh, probably next draft uh, that can really be somebody that can make a low level, uh, a draft pick, investment in and get a big return on yeah and if they're if they find a way to be more productive on offense then boy I'm, I'm almost ready to start hitting them the Super Bowl title now <laughs> or at least um put it right in front of them and say it you know here you go it's yours for the taking I mean that that that's a scary thought that they could be even more productive on offense than they were last year yeah, I mean, I, and I'm one of those that I, I do subscribe to the idea that you're the champ until you're not the champ. So absolutely, call, uh, calling them the front runner, I think, fits. Uh, absolutely. That's right. Yeah, you're the Kings until somebody knocks you off. And um, I, it's very tough, especially in the AFC. I mean, there's it doesn't feel like there's a lot of teams right now that can really uh, kind of hold up to the Chiefs right now. Obviously, the Ravens are going to uh, give it a run, but there doesn't feel like there's a lot of teams that are going to be able to keep up for a full season with, with the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. The Ravens are a scary team. I thought they had a very good draft. They did. Uh, I, I like what the Broncos and chargers did in the division. So that's going to make I, this division for those uh, of your fans that don't know, th this thing always comes down to nonsensical games where teams that shouldn't be in it are beating <laughs> the snot out of somebody and they're all tighter than they ought to be. So um, I won't put anything past it. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is also brought to you by the newest Mother's Day gift idea from Alka Joshi and his book, The Henna Artist. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. 
Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's Book Club's Pick for May. Then any time in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or the book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alkajoshi, A-L-K-A-J-O-S-H-I. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy The Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target. And make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Folks, we're back with Bill Reset. We're going to go over what the Carolina Panthers have done. And it's been quite a bit in this offseason because your Chiefs are going to play them this season. I don't know when. You don't know when. We'll find out the schedule sometime, by, hopefully by the time you hear this. But uh, if not, very soon after. Um, coaching change, quarterback change, man. I, I mean, there's so much to cover with your Panthers. What do you think has been the most dramatic change this season? Yeah, the, the the biggest shock certainly was, of course, the release of Cam Newton. You know, we, we knew the day was going to come eventually that Cam Newton was no longer going to be a Panther. But I thought going into this offseason that that would be in 2021. I thought, you know, even with the new coaching staff, I thought they'd give him one more year because Cam Newton, they, they would have only owed him, you know, we use the term loosely only, but $18 million for a starting quarterback in today's NFL is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, they're paying – uh, more on a per year basis to Teddy Bridgewater than they would have paid for Cam Newton. But that definitely was, uh, you know, the, the biggest surprise. Now I, I will say, I always shout out Ben Albright for this. When we were down to the senior bowl uh, this past January, he actually kind of tipped me off, said, Hey, the Panthers might have some interest in Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I'm still thinking, okay, they might have interest, but is this really going to pull through? And sure enough, the reports started flooding in from like Diane Rossini and all them saying, yeah, the Panthers are talking to Teddy Bridgewater. And then lo and behold, three years, uh, $64 million for our six, $63 million for, uh, for Teddy Bridgewater. So uh, yeah, that, that was definitely the, uh, the biggest surprise I think of this off season you know, the, obviously the coaching change, we knew that last year was going to be a make or break for Ron Rivera and injuries obviously played against him, but um, still in all, this is a, a David Tepper move. He wanted to give this franchise kind of a fresh start, but at, at least he was, you know, the timing obviously was surprising, but in a way like that was respectful for Rivera, right? Because it gave him those four extra weeks to kind of reset himself. And then look, he ends up getting another head coaching job. He's in Washington now. So Matt rule comes in. I'm, I'm excited. I think he's the perfect guy for this type of rebuild. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I expect it to be a down year, but I think, uh, I think you can definitely see light at the end of the tunnel. And I think Panthers fans are excited for what's to come with this franchise. Man, it's a tough one because I'm, I'm a huge Ron fan. Uh, I am quite a bit older than you, I am sure, because <laughs> I watched Ron play in Chicago when I was a kid. So <laughs> that gives you an idea, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I was rooting for him. I, I'm glad that he found a landing spot, and I'm shocked it was Washington, but that's a whole other show. But were you surprised that it was rule? Uh, of, of all the, the selections that could have been options out there, going with a program builder from the college level rather than somebody who deals with, with adult men in the locker room? 
Yeah, as, as we were kind of wading through the coaching process, I kind of had to come down to two names. It was Matt Rule, and it was actually one of your guys, Eric Vienemi. I, I I thought he was – I mean, I'm still surprised that he does not have a head coaching position. You know, obviously what uh, – exactly. Um what uh, you know, obviously, what worked against him this year was that there weren't a lot of head coaching openings, right? We only had like about five, five openings this year, which is low for a typical NFL offseason. We're used to seeing about seven or eight teams a year uh, looking for a new head coach. But here's hoping that twenty twenty one, he he finally gets his gig because I mean, you start looking at the teams that might be looking for a head coach in twenty twenty one. You look at the Jaguars are probably going to be in the market. Um, you know, that's just the, the first quick one that that, that comes off uh, the top of my head. The Falcons, uh, possibly, if they if they struggle this season. So there's going to be options, I think, for being a me. But I figured it was between him and Rule. And like I said, I, I think Rule is a good candidate because, like you said, he went to two colleges, basically were doormats when he took over those fran- or those uh, those colleges. And in a span of about three or four years of both schools, takes them from double-digit losses to double-digit wins. So I think he can do that here with the Panthers. Again, it's, I think it's going to be a multi-year. I, I've been saying 2022 to me seems like a solid target for when this team, I think, will get back to uh, competitive status because there's a lot of young talent and obviously a brand-new coaching staff. So everything needs to gel. You're going to have growing pains, and it, it's a very difficult schedule. You know, There's not really a lot of winnable games. But Matt Rule, I think, has that winning attitude and that positive attitude that's going to feed off to all the players. And as these players, I think, start to buy in to what Matt Rule is selling, I think eventually you're going to start seeing some good results. Yeah, and I think that goes into what we saw in the the evolution of their roster getting younger. And they added mm-hmm. a couple of nice pieces. Are you comfortable with Teddy? And do, do you feel that there was a the right decision to make him the guy that you're going with? Yeah, look, I, I've been a huge Teddy Bridgewater fan for a number of years, Ryan. and you know, even going back to his draft year, right? We watched him slide and I felt so bad for the kid because, you know, whether or not that pro day actually made a difference in his draft. I know there was obviously a lot of media attention on it. You know, as much as we respect Mike Mayock, he was kind of the, the band, the bandwagon driver of that whole, you know, oh, his pro day was terrible. So now he's not a, a top quarterback option. Falls to the Vikings plays very well to start and then of course suffers that bad injury so he comes back from the injury uh, you know and he he bounces back with the saints and he's and and that's where um that's where you start getting this connection here with the panthers and why this move starts to look good because of course 2018 joe brady is there as an offensive assistant so they had that year together um and then we just watched joe brady orchestrate arguably the greatest offense we've ever seen in college football. So now you blend all that back together. And I mean, obviously Teddy Bridgewater won five games in place of Drew Brees. So we know he's, he's got the talent again and they did a nice job of surrounding the Panther or surrounding Teddy, excuse me, with the talent that he needs to, you know, start slinging the ball. They go out and get the Robbie Anderson. They extend Christian McCaffrey uh, get a bunch of other receivers, and you still have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Now, I'm part of me feels Curtis Samuel eventually is going to get traded, but even if he does, you still have DJ Moore, you still have Robbie Henderson. You got a lot of options there, and then um, you know, as you even go further, you start talking about 2021, uh, the draft possibility there. 
whether you want to be in position for a quarterback, whether, you know, I don't know if they're going to get Trevor Lawrence because I don't I don't know if they're going to get the number one pick. I think they're going to win a few games. That's going to take them out of that number one consideration. But Justin Fields may not be out of the question. Right. And Teddy Bridgewater's contract, you know, they can get out of it after two years. Yeah. So I don't think this is a long-term project, but I think he's a good solution to keep the ship afloat. I've kind of been saying uh, over these, over these first couple of years. And, and like I said, you know, this, it's going to be a rocky year, but I think just, based on the talent alone of Teddy could win the Panthers a couple of games here. So I'm, I'm fascinated with, uh, with how all this is going to blend together this year. You know, and I feel like Teddy's that, that undervalued guy that everybody writes off. Yeah. And, it, and I think his whole crew kind of fits with that. Now I like the Robbie Anderson signing. Um, I think he's underperformed this point in his career, but I like that you brought that up. But Seth Roberts is a player that the Chiefs fans are familiar with. I think he yeah. comes up uh, with some plays from time to time. I'm looking at this. I, I was a big fan of Farrell Cooper coming out. I think he might get a fresh start that could help him some. Uh, an underneath target for certain that I think might be able to help Teddy out. But for me, I think the one that kind of surprised me the way that they went about it in, in acquiring Okung uh, and giving up Turner, it, it's, you know, in the net, I think they improved a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, left tackle coming into the offseason was a huge question mark. So you you have that position set. You've you've protected Teddy Bridgewater's blind side. Yeah, obviously the cost was now you've got a bit of a hole at the two guard positions, but you filled them a little bit. I I think you actually I think they just signed their uh, Trey Turner's replacement. I think Michael Schofield mm-hmm. is uh, is probably going to take over that right guard position. Uh, Matt Parity's is still there at center. You know, Matt Parity struggled his first year, but as of now, I think he's still the starting center. And then you go to left guard. Probably right now it's between John Miller, uh, the free agent signing from the Bengals, and uh, Dennis Daly, who, mm-hmm. you know, there's their sixth-round pick last year. Daly has – basically has experience at almost every position except center. Now, you know, the, the, the name I think to really watch here, too, for the Panthers is going to be Greg Little, their second-round pick from last year. Dealt with a lot of concussion issues. Um, but I think the, some of the moves that the Panthers have made, you know, maybe they have some confidence that he can get healthy and stay healthy and be that left tackle of the future. You know, obviously it's a different coaching staff from the, the one that uh, traded up to get Greg Little in the second round last year. But like I said, they, they really didn't address the, uh, the tackle position too much other than Okung. But Okung only has one year on his deal. He's a free agent after 2020. So what's to stop the Panthers from, if they have the confidence in Little, they could put him at, uh, at left tackle. And, you know, Because also, too, a lot of that money now is eventually going to go to Taylor Moten. I imagine between him and DJ Moore, probably Moten first, uh, yeah. when, you, when it comes to who's going to get the next big contract, Taylor Moten is probably next in line. So... And then, of course, now you've committed all this money to Christian McCaffrey, and then you eventually got to try to pay DJ Moore if you want to do that. So, you know, you've, you've, you could uh, stick with Greg Little and kind of give yourself that financial uh, flexibility because obviously his contract isn't going to be that big. So if he can stay healthy, he very well could be at left tackle unless they want to move Moten to left tackle in 2021. But um, Greg Little is definitely going to be uh, – like I said, just watching his health I think is going to be one of the kind of underlying storylines – uh, of this 2020 season, especially along the offensive line. Yeah. 
And, you know, I mean, and I'm a McCaffrey fan. Are, are you surprised at the, the investment they made and when they made it? No, no, I, I don't really have a problem with, uh, with the contract extension. I think he's definitely deserving, you know, I get people are, um, you know, worried because of some of the other running back deals that didn't pan out. You look at uh, obviously Todd Gurley who got cut by the Rams. You look at Le'Veon Bell, who's, uh, I mean, now he's got Frank Gore as, as his partner. So that, that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey, we know, is more than just your typical between the tackles running back. I mean, he, you could argue he's the best receiving back in the NFL. I mean, 100 catches, I think, what, two of, the, two of his first three seasons in the NFL. You know, only two other backs have done some of the things that he's done. You know, we really haven't seen a back this versatile. You could argue we haven't seen a back this versatile since the days, you know, the mid-2000s, guys like LaDainian Tomlinson. And Matt Forte. So I'm not surprised that they gave him this kind of money. And my argument too, when even going back to when I talked about uh, the potential contract extension, now would have been the time to do it because of the new CBA. And that salary cap is going to skyrocket, you know? So even like the chiefs, you know, eventually they're going to give Patrick Mahomes big money, but the way that salary cap, (laughs) <laughs> but the w- but the way the salary cap is going to go up, like it's, you know, you, you could argue maybe now's the time to extend Mahomes as well to kind yeah. of lock in th- those numbers uh, for, for when the salary cap blows up. That's why it was really interesting. Um, you know, the Panthers did this and you saw it with a lot of teams in free agency as well. It was a lot of short-term contracts. You really didn't see a lot of contracts longer than three years because, you know, players are smart enough to realize, Hey, we got ourselves a little bit bigger of a piece of the pie. Now, you know, they didn't obviously get what they wanted. I, ideally, they probably wanted 50-50, but they got yeah. something out of it. So the time, I, I think the timing was right uh, for, this, for this contract extension. Will he play out the entire contract? I don't know, because it's six years, and they've already been kind of wearing and tearing him a little bit. They really didn't have a running back to play him. Now, I will give you a name to watch, too. Uh, at the running back position, and that's Rodney Smith, the uh, the undrafted free agent that they signed out of Minnesota. Second all-time leading rusher in, in Minnesota history. Um, shifty back, really liked what I saw out of him. So I could see him getting some carries and, and uh, giving McCaffrey the rest that he needs. Wow. Man, that's a whole lot. And I love the, the dexterity there from the first-round pick extended running back to UDFA, but all that goes to say that they they did all this to, to stabilize the offense. They went and picked a defense-only draft, yeah. uh, and I liked what they did. They got a couple of guys that I really enjoy. Derek Brown is obviously just going to eat in the middle, and, and I think that's a, an easy one. How did you feel about uh, Yinder Grosskamados? I thought he was kind of a tweener, and I still see a lot of upside about him, but I'm not so sure that I would have picked him at 38. How did you feel about it? Yeah, Etor Grossmados was was an interesting pick, and um, I think they're more reliant, I guess, on on his pass rushing abilities. And, you know, there's obviously not a lot of pressure on him. You know, it doesn't have to be that head honcho on on the pass rush because they got last year's first-round pick in Brian Burns opposite him. So I I, I really like what they could be bringing here with with this pass rush. And then, you know, obviously Derek Brown and uh, K1 Short are definitely going to help them out a lot too because you got to focus – on uh, on those two guys yeah i think that's gonna be a really nice interior so it should free up a little bit of space you know 
they could they could win some one-on-one battles uh, on on the end there. So this is definitely a nice young uh, defensive line to watch, especially in the years going forward. Because I mean, th- three of those four guys that that's your future in yeah. Burns and Gross Matos and in uh, in Derek Brown. You know, you might still have a couple of years of uh, K1 short, but Derek Brown is going to be the foundation of that defensive line. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued with Gross Matos. I, I like the attitude that he has, and um, I, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. I think it's going to be interesting up front battle when these two teams play this season. Um, I think your best two picks uh, late in the second and into the fourth, two guys that I had right in the areas about where they were taken um, – Jeremy Chin, Troy Pride, they're both going to get time right away, right, at safety and corner, respectively. I love Jeremy Chin. Listen, (laughs) I – you know, we did the – and I've said this on some of the other crossovers. We did, of course, our own mock draft, like all the hosts got together, and I took Isaiah Simmons, you know, because I was obviously a big fan of Isaiah Simmons. I thought his versatility would have really fit – uh, what the Panthers wanted to do in this kind of rebuilding defense. But the way the draft shook out, they almost kind of got both Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons, if you <laughs> kind of think about it. I mean, Shin is kind of a raw version of it's Isaiah Light. Isaiah, it, it yeah, exactly. It's a great way to put it is Isaiah Light. You know, the, the only thing with Shin is he just needs time to develop. But with a team like the Panthers, like that's perfect because – he doesn't have to be the star of this defense. He might be become one of the stars, but it's not like they brought him in to be like, okay, you're the missing piece we need uh, for a Super Bowl run. No, this is going to be a couple years that he can come in, develop, and we're going to look back. And, and Troy Pride, you know, he was another one of my favorite corners at the Senior Bowl. You know, there was a lot of intriguing corners coming out of Mobile. There was Troy Pride. There was uh, Darnay Holmes. There was uh, Dane Jackson. There was a lot of guys that I thought showed out really well uh, at the Senior Bowl. And so it's, it just shows how important the Senior Bowl can be uh, to this draft process, especially a year like this year when that was really the, the last time we really got to see some football stuff out of a lot of these players. Because, of course, you know, we had the combine, but then unfortunately, you know, all this nonsense <laughs> happened out in the world. Um, so I love the Troy Pride pick. You know, I, I think up and down – I thought they had a great draft, Ryan. And I think two or three years down the line, I think we're going to look at this, look back at this draft and say, okay, we're looking at Matt Rule's first draft in 2020, and boy, he hit it out of the park. Because I think you've got a number of starters on this team. Like you said, Jin and Pride, I think, are eventually going to be starters. Kenny Robinson can work his potentially work into his way into, into a starter. I mean, Kenny Robinson has some really nice ball skills. Uh, and then Bravian Roy, he's going to work into that defensive tackle rotation, I think, as well. And, I mean, he's he's one well of Matt Rule's boys. So, you know, Matt knows what he has in Roy. And um, there were people that argued that he was one of the best, if not the best players that did not get an invite to the combine. So, yeah, up and down. Yeah, was it strange they went all defense? Yeah, a little bit. But I think, in in a way, that worked to their advantage. Because, again... Uh, Trey Wingo said it best. They had to fix the damn defense, and I think that's exactly what they did. The only thing that I question, and I want your take on this, Luke Keekley retired like abruptly, right? Kind of yeah. surprised everyone. And it doesn't look like they made much in the way I, – I, nothing against Tier Whitehead, but I don't feel that's a replacement level player of any closeness. Um, do you, are you still a little bit 
concerned about the linebacker level? Yeah, obviously Whitehead is definitely not on uh, Keekly's level. And Whitehead, I think, is more of an outside guy anyway. So, yeah, you still got to figure out what you're going to do on the inside. I think the first player in line there is probably going to be Jermaine Carter, who I've been – you know, pretty intrigued by, especially coming out of college. You know, he was a leader that Maryland defense. He was a team captain, uh, made a lot of plays. So this, I think, is going to be kind of his time to shine in the middle of the defense. But obviously the spotlight, if we're looking at that position group, is obviously going to be on Shaq Thompson. You know, now it's really time for him to start proving that he was worth the big contract extension that the Panthers gave him last season. So, yeah, you know, that's probably – that's definitely one of the biggest question marks on this team is how do they replace uh, Luke Keekley? Uh Cornerback is obviously, you know, they, they drafted Troy Pride and they, you know, they drafted the kid out of uh, Florida International. Um, this is all about replacing James Bradbury as well. You know, who do you get opposite Dante Jackson, who struggled in his second year uh, as a sophomore? I thought he was definitely up and down and then he got injured. You know, part of me feels they should – still try to re-sign Ross Cockrell. I think that would be a nice way to fill that corner spot. Um, I mean, he was a starter last year and played very well coming off the injury in 18. Um, so it, those are definitely the, the two biggest uh, concerns right now uh, on this, on this team, you know, because like you said, there's, I mean, you can't look, replace Luke Keekley, right? Yeah. There's, there's almost, <laughs> unless you somehow drag Patrick Willis out of retirement you're not really finding a, a linebacker that's going to replace uh, Luke Keekley un unless you feel uh, Micah Parsons or Dylan Moses in next year's draft is going to be the next Luke Keekley. And, and if you do, I, I have serious arguments to have with you. So, um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this matchup. I'm looking forward to see what the, the Panthers do. I'm not going to put you on the spot about a prediction or anything. When we know when we play, I think that'll tell us more about this matchup. So I'll just say thank you. I appreciate all the time and insight into a team that Chiefs fans don't know a ton about mostly. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was great to get a chance to talk with you, man. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely fun uh, with these uh, these interconference games. Low-key, I, I like these interconference games because like you said, these are teams you don't get to see too often. So it's definitely fun, especially to visit all these stadiums because the Panthers are going uh, to Arrowhead. Uh, so that's, that's always Make a fun place can. to play. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, really glad we got to do this, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. Folks, thank you for listening. That's Bill Reset from the Carolina Panthers, the Locked On Panthers show. Make sure you check him out as well. Appreciate everything, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again to Ryan Tracy for joining me for the final edition of the AFC West Crossover Week. But fear not, friends. Crossover Weeks are not done just yet. Next week, we are talking about the NFC division that the Panthers will be wading through this season. That, of course, is the NFC North and that will kick off on Monday when I chat with Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. So very much looking forward to that. Tomorrow we will talk about the full schedule, at least the tentative full schedule, uh, released by the Panthers run-through. Um, talk about any primetime games that may have popped up. Just kind of dissect the schedule and have some fun with it, and that'll be a nice way to go into the weekend. So with that... Um, as always, appreciate you guys and your support. And again, thank you to Built Bar and the Alka Joshi for their support as well. 
And remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. Let me know your thoughts on the schedule when it uh, when it comes out tonight. How how do you feel about the order of the schedule, uh, primetime games, anything like that? Let me know your thoughts. And like I said, we'll discuss the schedule tomorrow. So have yourselves a great rest of your Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up the week here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. We will see you soon.